everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of Prognotes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Preternatural by the Millettes. And if this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. We like to talk about progressive rock music, a fun, exciting, sometimes maybe weird subgenre of rock music. And we're honored that you're with us, and we would love to connect you to other fans of this genre. So please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or you can join our Discord chat server. All of these links are in this episode's description. And we always want to say thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for helping this show continue to be a reality and allowing us to be able to do this. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. So we really appreciate you. And you can become a patron by visiting our website. That is prognotespodcast.com. Or you can just check out patreon.com slash prognotes. You can receive some benefits on the other side of supporting us if you'd like to do that as well. And so go check that out if you are interested. The Mulettes are an English art rock band formed in Glastonbury in 2002 of Frank Zappa and Gentle Giant loving multi-instrumentalists that weave in and out of several genres, really, with three-part harmony female vocals, amplified cello, distorted bassoon, auto harp, guitar, drums, bass, and synths into this incomparable alt-pop rock folk universe. That's how I'm going to put that. A, uh, a quote from R2 Magazine, they speak on the subject of their sound. They say, Frank Zappa, Kate Bush, echoes of early Pink Floyd, Bowie, and Radiohead. The electronica of Kraftwerk and the acoustic melody of Pentangle. Precise, carefully crafted, and genre-defying. And another quote I found was from Crack. They said, mystical folk that veers to the progressive side. Dive in. And so uh, I know they're not a very well-known band, so I wanted to kind of throw that out there right off the front end. Um, another thing I'd like to add, too, is that if you're a fan of something like St. Vincent or uh, mm. Arcade Fire, you mm-hmm. probably would also dig this as well. It's a very eclectic, unique band. Um, and they've gone through a couple of lineup changes over the years, including their original bassist, Ted Dwayne, leaving the band to join the folk, the folk rock band Mumford & Sons. Uh, strangely enough. And uh, so the lineup for Preternatural, I know, I was like, Mumford and Sons. Never thought that name was going to make its way to our show. Oof. But they're there. Uh, the original bassist left to join the band. So the lineup for Preternatural is Oliver Austin, Jim Mortimer, Hannah Miller, Raven and Husbandis, Ruth Skipper, along with some guest musicians like Anya McCloskey, or McCloskey and Mike Dennis. And this is according to their Bandcamp page. Preternatural was released on October 11th, 2017. It's the Mulet's fourth album, and this is their first album to feature Raven and Husbandis on guitar and vocals. I've got that it was released on May 27th, 2016. May 27th, 2016. I got this yeah. off their Bandcamp page, so maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe the release on their Bandcamp is different. Where did you find that that source? I wouldn't trust the Bandcamp page because a lot of times Bandcamp will be like, oh, this is when it was released, even though that's when it was uploaded. And their Bandcamp page oh, may not have real. been uploaded until or updated until 2017. Oh, wow. I would, I'm pretty sure this that was would bother me if I, was, if I was doing that as a band. Like, that would really bother me if it didn't have the correct release date on it. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe no. some people are not like no, that. No, totally. I, I think this was a 2016 release. A 2016 release. Okay. okay. Yeah. And you said May? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. May 27th, cool. okay. 2016 is what I have. May 27th. So 2016. My apologies. 2016. Um, so, Drew, you have some uh, reviews that you found on this. I know there's probably not a whole lot, being that they're a fairly uh, recent I'm going to launch or... into my own personal uh, story. About, oh, yeah, yeah about the story group. of this group in the, the record. Let's talk, about, let's talk about this group. Yeah, how did, how did the Mulets, let me ask you this. I'm Moulettes. just going to set you up. How did the Mulets reach our knowledge and reach this show? Like, so much so that we want to do them on the show. They reached out to me. I believe it was Oliver, their drummer, Oliver Austin, or mm-hmm. Ollie. He reached out to me via Facebook. Somehow he found our show. Um, and this was, yeah, back, I want to say like 2019. Yeah. And for a while we were like, we totally want to have him on the show. We have a lot of other things scheduled, a lot of other interviews lined up, you know. Um, and we just, we we didn't have time to fit them in. And I felt horrible about that because I was very intrigued by this group. Um, and of course, <laughs> the time that we had didn't match up with them. And they were on tour. Right. So we actually wanted to have them uh you know on on the show but uh obviously they needed to tour um and get their music out there and play some awesome live shows super happy they're doing that and best of luck to them if they're listening to this <laughs> yeah no most definitely <laughs> best of luck to them this recording is 
in January of 2022. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Some time afterwards. Just yeah, little touring, side note. Touring is probably a little bit more important than coming on to our little podcasts here. Today, yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, but maybe um, maybe they can come and hang out with Rogan and Chelsea on Spotlight at some point. Maybe they can come. Yeah. In the, we can probably highlight them a little bit more, get a little bit more insight from their perspective. Absolutely. Um, no, but, it, but ever since he reached out to me, that's how I found out about them. Um, and I started looking into them and I've been absolutely fascinated by them. The, I, I just want to state this. The three words I would use to describe their, their music or their sound is hypnotic, exotic, and polyphonic. Nice. Um, I, <laughs> I'm absolutely blown away by the creativity of this group. They incorporate so many different sounds, styles, moods, instruments, voices, and rhythms while still creating great melodies and really well-crafted songs. Yeah. And it's so nice to have female vocalists up and center, something that is, I think, all too absent from the realm of prog rock. I know we've kind of discussed that a little bit in episodes that we did with like Hand Cannot Erase by Stephen Wilson and Land Animal yeah. by Bent Knee. But what's so cool about Moulettes is that they often have multiple women singing and harmonizing at once rather than just one vocalist singing everything or or being in the background. Right. So I, I just think it's really, really cool. You've almost got like this chorus of women. Yeah. Um, it's Or they give that effect, right? Yeah. They have it, – honestly, it reminds me of the Beatles as far as like how they weave the voices and the layers of voices together Definitely. in their melodies. It's this rich tapestry of sound with the oohs and the ahs. Um, I mean, you know, with like the Beatles and you're listening to something like from the Beatles, like she's leaving home or even octopus's garden or dear prudence, yep. where you have these kind yep. of oohs and ahs in the background, um, with a really strong vocal melody up front as well. So un- unbelievable, really, really admire what they do. They have a very unique sound as well. They incorporate a lot of different instruments, um, and a lot of, a lot of different dynamics as well. There are sections that are like super soft and quiet and graceful, and then they'll have these really dark sections. And this comes into play in this record too, Preternatural specifically, that are really dark and intense and encompassing. And the opening track is a great example of that, Behemoth. Yeah. Um, as well as like Birds of Paradise Part 2. Um, if you check out this record, that on there is, is really graceful and light and almost empty for a second. It has kind of this roomy tone, and then it comes in with this big, dark foreboding chorus mm-hmm. um lyrically and texturally and musically and all that so uh it's quite an imposing sound later on uh but yeah the i i've been absolutely fascinated by them ever since then getting into the reviews on that they are a modern band they're very new and i don't think they're as well known as some other groups and partially probably because they're i mean in the history of progressive rock and rock music in general they're fairly nascent. They're fairly new mm-hmm. um, relative to a lot of the other groups that we cover on the show yeah, uh, yeah. and everything. At so on this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there weren't too many, but I, I did find some amazing, awesome quotes um, as, as you had as well earlier. Yeah. Uh, this is from Louder Sound. Um, the writer is Dom, Dom, Dom Lawson. And uh, hey, Dom. <laughs> hey, Dom. You said some nice things. Let's see what you had to say. Um, <laughs> Anyone harboring the lazy notion that the Brightonians are just a mildly eccentric folk rock group will be firmly disavowed a few seconds into sprightly opener Behemoth, newly enhanced by guitarist Ravenin, who's Bondus, and emboldened by a dainty skip into the thud and clank of off-kilter electronica, Moulettes are once again reborn. What remains from earlier works are the sublime vocal harmonies, lyrical mischief, and gleeful blending of incisive pop melodies with arrangements that are as intricate as any revered prog epic. Hmm. This time, however, that formula has produced an album that brims with so many brilliant ideas that no genre tag could contain it. I think that's important to note yeah. because... It is kind of difficult to put them in a box, which is awesome, actually. Yeah. It's super awesome that you have such a difficult time putting them in a in a box. I have had – I've looked online and I've had people describe it as uh, alt, pop, progressive, folk band. And all of those terms are not incorrect. All of those terms can easily be applied. All of those labels could. Um, and I think that's just them. What's really cool uh, about them – and I'm kind of veering off here, obviously, but – is that uh, they're not trying to be super different. They are definitely being authentic. You can tell that. They're very artistic. They're very creative. They think outside the box. That's just what they do. That's what they've enjoyed about music 
you can tell. I mean, you can just tell listening to the, yeah. to the music and some interviews with them. And it shines through in this, in, in all of their, their music is that you can't really put it in a box because they take from a lot of different inspirations. Uh, but they're coming on this show because there's definitely a progressive element to it as well. Um, Almost definitely. Well, even just the statement of like, we can't put them in a box. Right. That's, that's, I feel like we can bring, them, I, we can bring the, it onto the Dom, show just because of that statement. You know, Tom also goes on to say, oh, what does Tom have to say? I'm about to tell you. Oh, okay. Lead vocalist and principal songwriter Hannah Miller must reach national treasure status soon. Shoot. Um, so yeah, I, I mean he's he's uh, he's given a, a glowing review. Um, someone compared them to Bent Knee somewhere uh, online on uh, someone okay. who gave them a five out of five stars, um, and I can see that. Uh, someone else said, "Imagine Gentle Giant crossed with a pop group that has really good vocal harmonies." Um, yeah. So I can see that too. And the last kind of review and quote I have here uh, is from someone on Red Brick, uh, Matt McCroy. And he says, I can't, <laughs> I love this quote. I can't comprehend a single social occasion in which preternatural is appropriate, but I can't help but to be quizzically glad that it exists. <laughs> That's hilarious. Which I think is great, uh, which kind of lends itself to that whole kind of uh, St. Vincent kind of indie kind of weird quirky vibe. Yeah. But again, you are just, you are just drawn to it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of like, if you sit down and give this record the attention it deserves, you are, you are drawn to this, even if it's kind of difficult to put into a box or it's not something that you instinctively think of as like a super catchy melodic song that you'll hear on the radio. Yep. Yet it is melodic. It does get stuck in your head, but they incorporate a lot of really cool Again, kind of prog rock elements in there too, along with electronica. And um, I don't think that prog and electronica are necessarily mutually exclusive, especially because when prog started out, a lot of what made it progressive was the incorporation, incorporation of newer yeah, technology. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that has made, you know, stayed and maintained in that genre in progressive rock ever since. Then. Yep. So, anyways. Um, but yeah, you're kind of drawn to them uh, and everything. So, uh, anyways, those are the reviews that I had had in my long long introduction that's uh, it's good him. though so there you go that's good yeah the just throwing out my thoughts uh from what you were what you were saying i i do love the um the the gentle giant sort of reference there and i know that i mentioned that up also at yes. the very beginning of what i found online so that was probably a different quote that i found too so that's now two people that we found that were relating to the gentle giant and it's there's a because there is a certain level of sophistication that's within and tapestry that's within their music and which is incredible that they're be able that they're able to pull off this multi harmony thing this three part harmony thing on top of all the other stuff so props to the guy who's mixing and engineering this stuff and uh, I don't know who that is I'd have to go and look it up but it's a it's very unique it's very unique and eclectic yeah. from that's from the structural standpoint but then it's also all of the elements that they're like dragging in and pulling in, you can you can tell that Gentle Giant's an influence. When, yeah. when I, I and I've seen interviews where they're just like, yeah, um, you know, we've been to uh, like uh, we, we've traveled with like bands that cover Gentle Giant. Tunes. Oh like, yeah, that's their thing. They're, they're Gentle Giant cover bands, I think. Um, and that name is you know slipping my mind right now, but um, I, I can totally see where they get that influence. Um, and everything because Gentle Giant also incorporated a lot of like, you know, acoustic instruments, which they do as well. Right. Kind of a big, a big focal point of their sound is Hannah Miller, who it, plays a five string electric cello. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, a big thing with Gentle Giant, at least early starting out, was the sound of the fiddle and everything, yep. right? Um, which and they had debut, multiple harmonies is, too. Yeah, super folky as well. Right, yeah, and their okay. debut was very folky, yep. and they had lots of harmonies as well, just like yep. the Mulets do, uh, or Mulets does. So I think that that's, uh, it's not a shock that they take inspiration from Gentle Giant, you can tell. But but they're not copies at all. That is not to say that they're copies. No. They, they make their own very, there's a very modern sound. That's And that's a thing I want to highlight. Mm -hmm. Because of the electronica elements and the production of the record, how it's produced, it's a very modern sounding record while still incorporating older. Well, and again, that's what's cool. It's like 
get these older sounds like the, the cello and everything, kind of a classical orchestral instrument, and kind of a choral sound, which makes it sound like, you know, old choirs, right? Yeah. With, with all of how they're, they're, they're singing together. But then you've also got these super new electronica sounds, and even the sounds of the drums are pretty new. It sounds like a produced kind of, yeah, you know, compressed drum sound. It doesn't sound as acoustic as something from the 70s, whereas there are some modern bands who strive to get an older sound. I mean, we, we interviewed uh, Wobbler, right? Yep. And they definitely want that kind of older sound with their kit, and you can tell they, they strive for that because it sounds very acoustic. With this, um, you know, the drums, you can tell he's playing a kit, but the way it's produced and the way it's mixed, it gives it a much more modern feeling, a newer feeling. Most definitely. So. Yeah, there's definitely maybe some samples and stuff like that's being thrown in there on top of the acoustic. Yes. But they also, yeah. I, and watching some of their live videos, they're also using like an SPD, you know, pad where they're, where he's triggering some some electronic sounds, like straight electronic sounds. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, there are some it, Yeah, it's, it's interesting yeah. because there's this like tension between, and I know that the, the journey of them as a band has also progressed in this direction of starting to maybe uh, include more grounded, folkier instruments um, like bassoon and uh, cello and stuff of that nature, but then moving into this more electronica sound. But I also find yes. it really interesting how there's this tension of pull between the two um, not necessarily pulling against itself, but that's probably a bad analogy. But I guess it's almost like a blend of these two areas, these two um, styles, or maybe just uh, types of instruments where it's like these very uh, futuristic, modern, electric sounds that are... Uh, I, but even then, the the electric sounds that I'm hearing are not the electric sounds that I'm hearing elsewhere in terms of some right. of the drums that they're using. And... Uh, but also tying that in with this very, uh, I'm I'm thinking like gentle giant debut folky kind of thing, where you know the the, the fiddles and um, some of the woodwind instruments that they got going on, and a chamber orchestra and stuff like that. That's that's being incorporated in the music. It's this blend of the two, and uh, and they use them in really unique ways. Like they have unique electronic sounds very unique electronic sounds, but then they also have a five-string cello, which, by the way, I found out that Hannah's father, I believe, builds instruments. Yeah, he's a luthier. Yeah, and I think... He's a luthier, so he builds instruments, builds, and apparently... Built that for when, her, is that right? Just to fit the... Yeah, the, he, built, yeah. he built that for her, um, which is... Dude, how awesome is that? That's freaking dad dope, who, dude. Who's a luthier, and also one who, Man. it seems like from, from the brief research I've done, is one that is not very content with just making very common instruments. I'm sure he does that probably to keep the lights on in the house, uh -huh. if you know what I mean. But I know it seems like, again, in interviews, that he's, he's very ambitious. Yep. That her dad is like, look, I want to make something new, something that hasn't been done before. So I'm pretty sure there's also like, he's made like a double neck mandolin. Um, he's made That's amazing. Uh, a six string cello. In addition to the five string, wow. you know, custom one he made her, there's a six string that I'm I'm not sure if it was utilized on their most recent record, okay. which is uh, which was released I'm pretty sure last year called Xenolalia, um, but uh, I I'm not sure if it was or not. I but think yeah, I think it is. I, it's 2021 uh, when when that was released. If that was yeah Xenolalia, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. so that's technically um, from the time that we're last, recording this last year. Absolutely, it's last year. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you know how cool is that? That you know you've got your dad who can you know, make know. these really cool custom instruments and like something that you didn't even have in mind. And you're just kind of like, that's cool. How can we add that into our sound? And right. like, if that's not progressive rock, I, know. I don't know what is. If your dad that's isn't so... building you an instrument, <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to try and call yourself prog. I don't shoot. I don't know. Well, and, and exactly. Uh, that's but I don't standard. think they're trying to be prog and that's, what's kind of right. Kinda cool no. Yeah. Too. It's just, it's just um, a, an ability to work with, Again, just different sounds. I mean, it's really it's it's reflecting back to the original thing where you know Pink Floyd's sitting in a studio messing around with synthesizers on the wall, and yeah. it's just this this experimentation with technology. Well, it's funny how you can parallel even so many decades later. I know how you parallel like a, a band's development. Yeah. Um, in prog rock in general, yeah, it's true. Where your first kind of, and I guess maybe that's just the nature of bands. Like you're you're finding your identity, and the more and more you write music, the more and more you play out, the more you mature as a songwriter. You start incorporating more things in, or whatever. But it's just it's it's interesting to parallel something like Gentle Giant, where they were very folksy, and then they got a little bit more electronic with some certain you know with certain sounds, um, and other 
bands like that, like Rush, they got much more electronica yep. inspired in the the 80s, right? With the use, the heavy use of synthesizers and all that stuff. Yep. It's just interesting to see that here too, where, you know, you listen to their, well, the first record I've listened to by them was called The Bear's Revenge. I think they technically had one before that that I have not listened to. The point is, Bear's Revenge is... 2010, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think they had a self-titled debut. So technically their second record is The Bear's Revenge, but it's still fairly early on in their development as a band, I would say. Yeah. Um, as far as at least studio... Uh, uh, studio record output sure yeah it's the second album Um, you know original yeah yeah. so their 2012 release um there are so many more acoustic instruments rather than than electric on there and and crud i just find it funny you can even just tell from the titles of the tracks themselves there's one on there on on the bear's revenge called grumple stiltskin's jig yeah that's a jig yeah yeah which you don't get any more folky than a jig Uh something that is that that's a term that you associate you attach with folk yeah music. that's funny um another <laughs> one is called country joy and and preternatural has a much more electric or, or has much more electric instrumentation yeah with synthesizers electric guitars the electric drum sounds we were just talking about yep. um you know and the sound of the cello sometimes is super distorted yep. right super produced um in a really cool way you know they kind of morph the sound of that and shape it into something yeah. that's very unique um, but still retains the breath of a cello, right? Right. So pretty interesting. Um, but perhaps part of that might be due to the introduction of the new member, right? This is yeah, right. uh, Raven and Array. Yeah. Uh, her first studio album with them. So I'm I'm guessing that I, I think that that plays some kind of role. You know, maybe yeah. Hannah and Ollie and uh, who I, is it, was Ruth with them on. Bear's Revenge? I don't know. I, I'm not going to um, say yes or no because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know extensively. Sorry. Uh, but perhaps they wanted to move in that direction anyways. But I have a feeling that in introducing um, Ray had a pretty pretty profound impact, especially when you see them live because Ray also plays the electric guitar. Yep. Um, and she does a lot of the the really cool electric guitar sounds that you hear on the record. So uh, in, in light of what you're talking about and kind of the just – uh, from the very first record, I have a quote here from Hannah, uh, the found founding member of the band, mm-hmm. about how th- th- it was a, it was an interview question that was asked to her. That was, "How do you feel that your latest album compares and contrasts to your previous releases?" Speaking of Preternatural, so that was the question that was presented, sure. and this is her response. And she kind of goes through. I, I wanted to read this because it goes through kind of the the progression of their sound leading up to this point. Um, being 2016, right? So she said, I actually listened to them all, all of their records in a row the other day, which I've never done. The older records I haven't listened to for years. I think with our self-titled debut uh, in 2010, we were flexing our moles, quote unquote. Uh There's a prog tendency in there, flirtations with swing, experimentations with strange effects and soundscapes, disemboweled pianos and the like. The blueprint was there, but it needed refining. The Bears' Revenge in 2012 took us in a folkier territory, which is what we've been talking about, right? More experimentation with a wider spectrum of instruments. Hammered dulcimer, uh, the odd stray progressive Mm. banjo, resonating glasses, Mm -hmm. and Georgina Leach's high-octane violin exploits are are a definite core part of the record and the interplay between cello and violin. But it's definitely on the experimental end of folk, and it has some pretty unexpected twists and turns. Jim Mortimer came on board at the end of making this record, so it was great to rework bass world back into the picture. Constellations in 2014, right? 2014? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was a 2014. uh, Was about documenting the musicians who had been a part of the journey so far, mapped out in the stars. So we had legends like Arthur Brown and Herbie Flowers alongside contemporaries like Emma Richardson, the Unthanks, and Blaine Harrison, Mm -hmm. as well as guest players from the Pantheon of Brighton Talent, uh, which is where they're from, Brighton. Uh, It's very orchestral and cinematic at times we had the pleasure of assembling a chamber orchestra with brass and woodwind alongside the usual strings we worked with the sound of a sound library of noise we recorded slamming filing cabinets chains on metal Mm -hmm. drums stuff like that and then for preternatural i'm still in the quote here we wanted to consolidate and explore the band sound without guests or features and though i think there is a strong conceptual angle on all the records this is the one where it's the most obvious We'll come back to that. Uh, Raven, is, Raven and Husbandus. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try and call you Ray. At least, hopefully, that's okay. Joined in early 2015, which is when we began pre-production. So it was new to it was new. This is what she was saying. It was new to work with electric guitar as the co-lead instrument and finding interesting blends with electric cello, bassoon, and bass. Right. She's mentioning bassoon here, so I'm immediately now assuming that Ruth was a part of the picture at this point yeah. in in the in the production of it as well as adding her beautiful voice to the vocal mix, which I totally agree. We wanted to get the big riffs in there, lots of vocal harmony alongside strange found sound synths and samplers. So mm -hmm. you're very much right in that progression of kind of the, the folk here moving in that in the territory, but also then adding in somebody like Ray with an electric guitar, which that was apparently, with according to what she was saying, that was new to work with electric guitar. Right, as exactly. A, That's a different dynamic. Yeah. You know, which is funny. And a creative force. Yeah. I have... I mean, in the context of me playing music, I have never written music without electric guitar being a co-lead instrument. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, in, yeah, it's, I guess that's, I don't know if that kind of lends itself to a little bit more of the rock element that maybe comes from I was the, about to the say, edge of I mean, this you know, is possible. I don't know. No, totally. Because that's like when you think of rock music, you know, whether it's prog rock or just standard rock and roll or whatever, like you think of an electric guitar yeah. as being front and center. Right. right yeah, I mean, right. right. You know, or at least a very in, in, integral part of it. Yep. Right? I mean, you know, the, the, when I think of rock music, I think of electric guitar, electric bass, a drum kit, and a singer. At the very, very yeah, minimum. Maybe Usually, a piano. Maybe a piano in there, too, especially with early rock and roll. Mm -hmm. with a little richer. Like, that piano was very much, in, you know, incorporated as well. Yep. But I think you could even get away without that. Like, it, it'd be weird to have a rock group without any guitar. But it's been done. Crud. ELP. Yeah, right, 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 right. I mean, now, now, well, that's not necessarily true because uh, Greg Lake played electric guitar as well. But, like, when he was on stage, it was mainly well, I mean, bass. bass. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. But, you know, it's been done, right? Yeah. Obviously, but yeah. a lot of the times when you think of rock music, you think of the guitar. Yep. You just do. Um, anyways, so I think you're right. Incorporating that, if you hadn't worked with that before, that's, that's a different element, and it really kind of makes this record pretty different yeah um, i love how they kind of use the the highlight of right from the very beginning coming into this record with behemoth which is probably the hardest rocking song there is on the record and so mm. it kind of reminds me of um i don't know i always kind of like those really big entrances of oh we have this new member something kind of like that and then here's almost like a highlight it kind of reminds me of one little victory from vapor trails it's like hey we've been gone for a while because neil was going through this whole right. season of his life he healing and then he comes yeah. right back and it's just a... yeah and you're like yeah yes, so here good. we go yeah but, we're back yeah and i love this because I'm, I'm sure that they probably i mean it says that they and she joined the band in early 2015 so fans of the band probably knew at the time probably if they announced it a year before the album was released that there is now an electric guitar player who is a co-lead mm -hmm. instrument that's going to be singing with them. And then they release that and behemoth is right there. And it's, a uh, yeah, it, it just rocks. It rocks out. And so, um, I was honestly, when I very, when I first listened to this record, I was expecting more of a sound like that. I was expecting mm -hmm. more, which is honestly, I think probably lends itself to the bent knee kind of sound a little bit, uh, right. with having more guitars, kind of distorted and driving the music in, in a lot of ways but i was expecting more of that honestly throughout the record and i was very pleasantly surprised that it went to several different directions and different avenues as the album continues um all the way to the end like all the way to the end it never really drops off and or returns back to something that's stale and right. so um yeah it's cool stuff so they explore a lot of different avenues they do yeah um and all of their music but even on just this record alone even the journey through this you know, 11 songs, yep. right? So, yep. So what you want to dive into, I know we've been kind of talking grand scheme here, but you kind of want to yeah. kind of dive into the individual uh, stuff. I, 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 sure. I wanted to ask you a question and just maybe set a tee, tee off this, this conversation. Uh, what is, mm -hmm. what does preternatural mean? Preternatural means beyond what is normal or natural. Yeah. So I, I don't really know. And any linguists out there, feel, feel free to, to teach me and tell me, I don't really know the exact delineation between preternatural and supernatural because uh -huh. they both kind of seem synonymous to me, right? Supernatural seems beyond what's normal or natural, and preternatural is the same thing. So uh, forgive me for not being 
uh, more well versed in that. But I think preternatural. I can answer that question if you want me to come back to that. Please do. You Please to, do. You want me to do that now, or do you want me to come back to after? Your do talk? it now. Okay. I want to know. This is this isn't Destin talking. This is from the liner notes of preternatural that I found online. Awesome. Yeah. So it says preternatural from medieval Latin preternaturalis, which is from the mid 13th century. From Latin mm. phrase preternaturum. Uh, it means beyond nature and beyond fate, in parentheses is what they have there. So it says beyond nature and beyond fate. In contrast to the supernatural, the dominion of deities, the preternatural phenomena are, quote, suspended between the mundane and the miraculous in a domain of wonder and marvel. Strange specimens evoke questions about the natural order. They provoke the spirit of investigation. Quote, preternatural is a word particularly subject to etymological metamorphosis describing the phenomena that fall between the known and the unknowable i know that's a lot of like word that was like just yeah yeah but that's what i found there's more um to this if if i i can kind of go through here maybe kind of read a little bit of this but to back up to what he said contrast uh to the supernatural the dominion of deities preternatural phenomena um, so now, I mean, they're using it as an adjective here, right? Preternatural phenomena are suspended between the mundane and the miraculous in a domain of wonder and marvel. Okay. I don't know. I, is that clear as mud? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm throwing it out Doesn't there because it was there. there. No, I'm, I, I'm throwing it out there because it was there, but... You no, know. I, I, I get that. Uh, and we could spend all day on on words and, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But, but that's not uh, what we're here for. No, but I think it's an excellent word and one that's not used as much. We usually think of the word supernatural. supernatural. I think preternatural, when I think of this and in relation to this album in general, mm-hmm. and we're, this is just about to, to segue into the kind of concept of the record. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, preternatural, I think, uh, maintains a little bit. It's, it's a little bit closer in my mind to the natural world, but again, filled with wonder. It's this stuff that you can see and yet not see. Right. You're like, oh, my gosh, there are really incredible things about the natural world where it's like, yes, this is mundane um, in the sense that I see a pine cone every single day. And then you're kind of look at it mathematically and the different geometric shapes that it'll make or, yep. you know, it doesn't have to be a pine cone, but, you know, the, the mundane stuff. Right. Pine cones, a pine cone. It's just yep. there. Right. Whatever. Right. But then looking at it from a different lens and being like, wow, that is actually incredible. That's kind of insane that something that so mundane can also be so marvelous and so wonderful. So, and I think that's kind of the essence of the album in general, as well as why they titled it preternatural again, great word to incorporate Mm -hmm. and um, really cool concept. And we'll, we'll launch into that. The, the, The album is what I just kind of described. It's about the natural world, um, diversity in the natural world. Uh, The lyrics celebrate nature in general, each song, is supposedly about each song is supposedly about a particular creature. Uh, when I went track by track, I, I didn't necessarily get that, but I, I, you know, I'm not the songwriter. So some are, uh, some are a little bit more on the nose than others. Yes. And some you're like, Oh, I can clearly see that's a creature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so is it a concept record? I, yeah, yes, yes. Right. Um, now, not in the sense. Yeah, if we're going back to the kind of what we've spoken about with being a concept, and I, I forget which episode we discussed this, and maybe it was Power and the Glory. But if if they have common themes rather than a story right. that's being told, right? Like a there's narrative. No real. There's protagonist yeah. other than the theme. It's just a theme. There's kind of a yes. theme. Yes, and I know involved. we were kind of arguing about like you know, uh, or or people online and well, everywhere have debated whether aqualung was a concept record or not right and so i know we kind of talked about that because there were several songs on there about religion in general Mm -hmm. it just does like a like a topic right right uh and everything and just like this there's that topic of the natural world different types of creatures um and all of that kind of stuff so uh, yes it is in that sense and i think they have dubbed it a a concept record or there is a concept behind it so yeah, no, that's maybe that's, that's a better it's way. That, yeah, there's a concept there's a concept behind, behind it, behind it yeah, rather good. than it being a concept record. That's good. Yeah. Um, in the traditional sense, but anyways, I I've cut you off a bunch. No, no, no you're good. I, it says here in the liner notes, we set out to make a record about the phenomenal creatures that inhabit the earth, demonstrating demonstrating mm-hmm. creativity, industriousness, and knowledge. And then it goes on mm. to say, inspired 
by their ability to challenge our expectations. Love that. Inspired by their ability to challenge our expectations, we imagined an idiosyncratic song for each creature through, through the writing and production of this record, looking for new ground to explore sonically between the dichotomies of nature and technology, which goes exactly with what I was talking about before in terms of the music. It parallels perfectly yeah. between this kind of nature uh, grounded folk sound and the little a little bit more of the progressive spacier uh, technology driven kind of yes. kind of music and yeah. stuff like that, which is very very progressive. This isn't the first time we've talked about the blend of you know uh, right. something like that. We talked about that with Jethro Tull, or we've talked about that with with several different projects or other albums that we've discussed on the show. So. And they were like, they go on to say it was like nature and technology, DIY and industry. I thought that was an interesting parallel that they threw out there. Yeah. Acoustic and electric. And yeah. so, um, yeah. And I have a couple of little individual sentences maybe that are on each of each of the tracks, which we can kind of talk about maybe a couple of them. But yeah. I know that you have some individual things that you wrote down for the lyrics of each of the songs. And, um, but yeah. that's kind of the, I guess that's kind of the idea. Yeah. There's, that's there's the kind of a sense behind of, it of dualism, right? Yes, yes, yes. This, this in, in a lot of different aspects, the acoustic, the electronic, the mundane, the wondrous, all that kind of stuff. It, it is a, a unique blend on this record. Uh, and I really admire that about them. Um, yeah, it's cool. So yeah, I, it's I, cool. behemoth is, is really cool when you actually look into like the, the history behind how they wrote it and everything. Um, you know, you hear the lyrics, these creatures lurking below, um, and, and crowd, if you even just look at the album artwork, it, it's like in the shape of Cthulhu, right? The Lovecraftian horror monster, mm. right? In this kind of cosmic horror. You say that like everybody knows that. Does everyone, I thought, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I have no idea what okay. you're talking about, but I'm just going to go I, with And that. I don't know it extensively, <laughs> so I'm not going to speak on any, like, I, I know there's going to be one like person who like knows like HP Lovecraft's work. Like uh -huh. extensively, I do not I, at all. H.P. Lovecraft was was uh, like a gothic horror writer, and he's like one of the I think founding authors of like the quote unquote cosmic horror genre. Oh, interesting. Okay. So Cthulhu is like this big monster that if you saw the image, Destin, uh -huh. I'm sure that you would maybe recognize you would know it. What I'm talking about. Okay, okay. You would you would probably do I need to look this up right now? It somewhere in pop culture. Sure. Hold on. What do, how do I spell this? Oh gosh, what is it? See, and again, again, I'm not like a huge HP uh, Lovecraft. HP, uh, whatever it is, Lovecraft. HP Lovecraft, one word, Lovecraft. All right, Google, what do you got? So Cthulhu, you've seen this big monster, and it has like wings, but like the head looks very much like an octopus, probably. A lot of pulp culture has referenced it, both in comedy and in you know horror films and all this kind uh, of stuff. The Call Anyways. of Cthulhu. Yes. So oh, this looks I, like the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, like Davy Jones. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. I, I mean, like it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's but not. It kind of looks like that. But it looks like again. Yeah, he has like an octopus squid-like head, right? This monster. Right. It's called right. Cthulhu. I could be mispronouncing that. I don't know. I'm not ensconced in that world. But there's this whole like mythos behind it, right? Like there's in this quote-unquote universe of monsters. He's one of the most popular ones, but there are other monsters too, uh -huh. and other authors who have contributed to this mythos and all this stuff. Anyways, um, wow. <laughs> anyways, that's a brief little tangent. Like you, to me, when I look at that album artwork for for this record for Peter Natural, I'm like, that's definitely Cthulhu. Which reminds me of you know these kind of it, it remind honestly it reminds me of like this lyric the creatures lurking beneath the low or, or deep down below yeah uh -huh. in this song anyways all that kind of aside they actually came up with this concept not actually out of uh an affinity for for lovecraft or cosmic horror or anything like that no uh they were inspired by um nature and science and all this so this was inspired by uh phenomenon known as the bloop uh, hmm. I don't know if anyone knows about this but I'll go into it if they don't it was a, a mysterious sound from the deep ocean apparently this was an underwater noise collected by hydrophones this was back in like 1997 oh, hydrophones wow. are just underwater microphone oh right that's all that means so it, it was a sound collected by hydrophones 
1997 by scientists. Um, it can be heard for over five underwater, underwater, which you can't hear as well as you can in the air. Obviously, it's right. dampened because it's a different density and atmosphere and different sound waves travel through there. Uh, not different, but you know what I mean. They tra sound waves travel differently, travel differently through there than they, they do in the air. Yeah. Yes. It could be heard for over 5,000 kilometers. That is over 3,000 miles. What the heck? A sound that could be heard over 3,000 miles from the point of origin. That's insane. That is insane. And it was underwater, which is why you're like, why wasn't this like the shot heard around the world? I don't know why I'm tying in history to this. But I don't you know, know but I mean. you're doing a really great job. <laughs> no, but like, why didn't like everyone, it was, it was underwater, but scientists were baffled by this. They're like, what, what the heck is was that? making this sound? Wait, well, was it consistent for, or was this something that was, it was this one. It was this one. In fact, if you want to please play the sound, I know I gave you yeah, a little let's, file. Let's listen to it real to quick. To show this is the blue and it won't be loud to you guys. So don't worry. It is, it is dampened it's not going to blow your head off yeah, so right right here we it go. sounds very monotonous you'll, you'll hear here here's the bloop that's it doesn't sound very loud right huh this little whoop right something you'd hear on spongebob <laughs> right like no, seriously it's this kind <laughs> of like this little, whoop, right this little blip. but apparently that was a large sound on these hydrophones right what the hydrophones had collected huh. was this sound um, many scientists were baffled by this. Lots of them speculated. Uh, and these are reputable scientists. These aren't like crazy conspiracy theorists. Many of them, uh, speculated that a creature made this noise, but they were like, but what kind of a creature is capable of emitting such a massive sound? Like we don't, ha we don't know of any animals that can do that. Yeah. Any, any creatures that can do that. So this was kind of an unsolved mystery um, and great idea for a song. Why would you not write about something like that? That's so cool. Um, eventually, scientists concluded that the sound was not from a creature, but was the result of ice capping, or basically the scientific term for ice chunks breaking off of glaciers and icebergs, right? And falling into the sea. Wow. However, there's still a lot of people out there that reject this conclusion. And by the way, that conclusion, quote unquote, wasn't a don't think widely accepted by the community until like 10 or 20 years later, huh. 2000. Yeah. So at least for a decade, maybe longer that people were kind of like, what is making this sound? People concluded it was the, the result of ice calving, but there are lots of people out there um, who are not convinced of that. There are a lot of people. And I think people, even in the scientific community who are like, I still think that that was a creature, which is not crazy to think about in the sense that, a huge, more than a majority, more than 50%, I think it's more than 90% of the ocean is unexplored. I just, I just did the, uh, the, the look at it on national geographic, national geographic org, And it said 80% of, okay, of our oceans, so, of our still, oceans remain unexplored. 80, 80%. Yep. That's still insane. 80% of the ocean is unexplored. And it makes sense. There's only so much we can do to get to, you know, down deep down below. Yeah. Uh, and all that it's you know the ocean's massive um so anyways really cool idea for a song uh i think in general the larger concept they wanted to put forth with this song is about how people talk about science right and the fact that this was such an anomaly right and you know what is true what is speculation some stuff we don't know again fits perfectly into the theme of the mundane of yeah just the ocean you know everyday thing and then the wondrous of like there is something in our world that is quote unquote natural, but it's something that is so unnatural to us. Is there a creature that is making this sound? Yeah. You know, all this kind of stuff. So anyways, I have cool a question. Song. I got a question for you. So behemoth is, is the, is the dictionary word, right? A behemoth, right? Is a large, a large animal, right? Behemoth is not, I, yeah. is not, I have no idea where that comes from. Here's my theory. They took bloop, took the double O and put mooth. I like that. That's my theory. I wanted to. Theory, I wanted I like to know it. if that was uh, if you ever if you had a thought about that or that's as good as any theory. Okay, I, I, particularly one that doesn't exist, like mine. Right, I didn't <laughs> have one. So no, that's a great theory. I like that because I was wondering the same thing. I was yeah. like, so where is what the is mooth mooth? coming from? Yeah, why is it mooth and not behemoth? I was honestly, I honestly thought it was like a language. I think thing that's that could easily be it. It could be like they're just like okay, it's like a behemoth. This you know big great, but they're taking you know, the O O of the bloop 
creature and, and putting it in yeah, there and, and it's a behemoth exactly i know i like that honestly that's a good if, theory if, if we're fitting bloop and behemoth i was thinking maybe behemoth <laughs> Moulets, if you're listening can you confirm or deny this can you call us at five 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 yeah, shoot oh, oh. five 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 now, there's something there's Progress. one other thing about behemoth that we were we've been talking about which was the the chorus of it and Maybe maybe we can try maybe we can try this oh, because you're gonna do a lot better than I. I, I don't this know. was your idea. I'm sure you've practiced. Well, I, I I honestly really didn't. I thought it was just fun. I've been super busy the past <laughs> two days when I was trying to prepare for this thing. But you know the 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 chorus, which I I I have to I have to give it to him. I I was looking at some of the lyrics and honestly I was trying to sing along with it because I was like this is an interesting like worded chorus. But the lyrics of the song is like it, big sound. Right, impossibly, unimaginably, unimaginably. heart stopping, heart stoppingly, colossally, colossally loud. loud. That's the chorus, and and they say it, and and yeah, they they accent and they use it in, in a very interesting way. I mean, I, I, I like I said, I got to hand it to him. I don't think I would have put together that melody with those words. Um, it's kind of a tongue twister, but I thought it'd be kind of fun if we took the chorus of Behemoth, we sped it up a little bit, and just see if Drew and I could rap it. You know, because that's what we do in our pastime. I don't know if you guys knew that for everybody who's listening, but we we <laughs> we uh, we rap on the side. Um, we don't make any money doing it, but we rap on the side. Um, you want to speak to that a little bit? Just so a little bit good. about about we're what? So good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna say it loud and say it proud. Yeah, we're we we're not awesome rappers. We're not that great at it, but. You know, do you want to you want to give it a mm-hmm. shot? Do you want me to just try it? Do you want both of us to try and go through this and see if we can and see if we can make it happen? I don't we know. Can try, I don't know how the audio is going to be with us layering on top of each other. Oh, we'll fix it in post. Little, it, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. You want to give it a shot? We'll fix it in post. It just so so the first. I'll give it a shot. First chorus is, is normal. A chance to yeah. First chorus yeah. is normal, and then it just yeah. progressively speeds up. And we'll just yeah. We'll you kind of went crazy with it. I did. I did. I, I, I really wanted to push the limits of this in a very progressive fashion. Um, yeah, so here you go. Here's, here's, the, here's the chorus of Behemoth. All right, let's speed it up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Okay, okay, all right, all right. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, now this is just great. It sounds like it sounds, it's like Charlie Brown and it's and like speed that up. Yeah, it's Charlie Brown's teacher. Charlie, it's Charlie Brown's teacher sped up at like three times fast. Wow, that's fun. Uh, it's a cool chorus. I, I was like, it's a, it's a great chorus. It's a really cool chorus, it's, and especially with the three part harmony that they got going on right there too. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it's pretty cool. So anyway, that's Behemoth. That was a good job. Actually, um, you did pretty well on that. I did better than I thought I would. You did. I was, I was quite surprised. Um, but congratulations! I just wanted to say that. So I'll I'll, I'll cue the applause. Please put the applause. Right. Thank, thank you. Well, hold Please on. I'll put, put it right applause. here. I'm, I'm gonna wait for it to die down. Okay. Thanks. How do you know it died down at that point? I don't even know. We'll have to add that I in know. post. I just okay. We'll just see how I that works know. out. Anyway, um, you want to move on to uh, maybe some of the other tracks that we got going on because we, there's a lot of different animals and creatures that they they talk about in this record. And I think that's kind of like. The, I don't know. I had fun researching some of them. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking at our time here. We might not have to go through all of them because. Yeah, uh, let's we, uh, let's let's do uh, Hidden World, which in parentheses yes. after that is. Halicephalibus. Halicephalibus. Mephisto. 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 OK. OK. It's Mephisto. And Mephisto, I think, is. It's a it's a comes from like a demon. Uh, yeah, Mistopheles. Yes, from it's it's it comes from Mistopheles, the Lord of the Underworld, in, in yeah. the Faust story. So, uh, um, so of course, uh, like you were saying, in the the name of the song is Hidden World, but in parentheses, it's uh, right. Halicephalibus, if that's how you pronounce that, Mephisto, and um, which is that is an animal, 
uh, obviously. Uh, it's a species of roundworm that is the deepest living animal that we've ever found. 2.2 nematode. 2.2 miles or 3.6 kilometers under the Earth's surface. And uh, they okay. call it the devil worm, which they discovered in 2011. If you look this thing up, it's freaky looking, especially when they put that thing under a microscope. It's a worm. Worms are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're pretty freaky looking. Um, it can live in some really incredible environments. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the whole thing with this one. Yeah. Is that How it in the can world live does it survive? Insane amount of pressure. Yeah. I mean, imagine the amount of pressure that, that you know, this thing is surviving in. That's a long way down, dude. Yeah. And not just not just the pressure, the heat. The heat, yes. Because as you get closer to the Earth's core, right? I remember gets... doing the research on that thing. Hold on, yeah. let me let me look at the freaking. Yeah, you got to look uh, at the deepest guys. living animal ever found, able to withstand heat and crushing pressure. It's the first multicellular organism found at deep subsurface. I just want to know what we were doing down there. Yeah, I mean they dis- our, they didn't discover this. They didn't discover this on purpose. It yeah, was, no. it was what, according to Wikipedia, I know that's not the right resource to probably use, but it says here it was, it was detected in or recovered from a deep rock fracture water, uh, in several gold mines in South Africa mm-hmm. and the gold mines in South Africa, it says, uh, were under the surface at this, this level. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Holy cow. How long did it take us to get down there? It's <laughs> pretty crazy. I think it was uh, the finding is significant because there has been no other multicellular organism that has ever been detected farther than two kilometers or one point two miles under under the uh, or below the Earth's surface. I mean, this is an entire right. extra mile. Mile, yeah, yeah, down. that's insane. Yeah, I mean, crazy I mean, man. They, you know, throughout this whole record, they, I, I, you know, it's supposed to inspire awe about the natural world. But yet, how unnatural that can be. Yeah. So, to us, at least, it you know, they they you know, they seem to be coming back to the idea of creatures beneath the surface rather than above. Mm. They're focusing on the core of the earth, maybe like the core of humanity. I was thinking maybe that's kind of a, a parallel they're drawing, maybe. Yeah. Um, rather than the the creatures of flight or things that give a sense of the thing beyond the world, they seem to be focusing. I mean, I know they do bird of paradise, but that's still within our atmosphere. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, let me let me just say it's not something like science fiction where you're like looking at, you know, imaginary creatures from space, right? And I know actually in an interview they've talked about like you know intelligent design out elsewhere in in the universe like other you know species are we alone in the war in the universe blah 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 and planets that can sustain other life and all that but but they don't go down that route conceptually here they are looking at stuff that is in our world um the root of the world the core the essence yes but things that we may have either forgotten about or still don't know yeah it's just stuff that's probably been around for a very long time that we just haven't figured out or seen In, in awe of our world not things beyond it that's good. So. That's good. Yeah. What was the the, the bird of paradise? Was there? It, it, did you did you I find any species or any type of particular like individual animal that they were speaking of in the as part of the song? No. Okay. I, I kind of had an analysis of the lyrics as far as just like lyrically what I get from it from a thematic point of view, but not like a creature. Like I don't know which creature. Okay. Or which bird yeah. that's supposed to be, you know? look at the liner note. I, it's just a there. very... It's a pretty sad song, it seems. Um, hold on. this I, I think the liner notes actually give kind of like the the scale of... Yeah, we talk about from this to this to <laughs> we this We sound this. so prepared for this. <laughs> I know. Hey, I mean, hey, I'm just... <laughs> We're checking this out with you guys. Look at this, man. Look at this, dude. All right, so... Dude, check this out. Shoot. People want to hear us just doing the click sounds on our... Ma- on our Mice. Uh-huh. Click, 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 click. Oh, this is cool. Oh, wow. Here, let me link this to you. Let me, let me t- <laughs> click, click. <laughs> oh, did you read this? Hold on. Dead air. We don't it's want <laughs> dead air. <laughs> it says. No dead air, Dustin. It says here, uh, it, uh, referring to the album, features spiders who pluck harmonics on the strands of their webs to test the tension, pufferfish who trace. Uh, concentric mandala patterns in the sand to attract a mate the phenomenon of the wind of the mind control parasite and the igna- uh, enigmatic immortal jellyfish 
uh, that's got to be talking about Medusa because Medusa is, that's a, in zoology, yeah, is an invertebrate body type. Medusa, that's like a type of, it's, it's an invertebrate body type in zoology. That's what huh. they use Medusa for. That's probably what that's about if, if I'm trying to tie them back together. Oh, wait, this part. Oh, yeah. that's so that good. Far. Sorry. Anyway, um, let's see. Let me keep going here. The immortal jellyfish, yeah. Uh, the symbiotic underwater jungle of the coral reef. That's probably coral. And the yes. bioluminescent yeah. light show of the octopus. Um, well, and I think with coral, yes. I think they're, they're definitely criticizing how humans are destroying, you know, the, the, mm, our impact okay. on global warming, our carbon footprint has increased dramatically ever since the industrial revolution. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a jillion statistics out there about from this period or this year yeah. to this year, X amount of, uh, coral in the Great Barrier Reef has disappeared and all that kind of stuff. But the Great Barrier Reef has just a huge, a huge variety of different uh, amounts of, of coral over there. Yeah, wow. And that ecosystem is being completely decimated um, because, you know, you look at the lyrics and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. Uh, and I think it's pretty critical of our, our impact on, on the environment. But, also, but it's also kind of celebrating groovy. the beauty of that coral. Yeah. Huh? I, I was just saying it, but it's also groovy. It's, it's a great song. It's pretty darn groovy. If you ask me, it is Groovy. Um, let's see what we else have we got on here by a uh, light show. The mystery bloop sound recorded in the Pacific. The visual patterns. Oh, here we go. This is probably patterns uh, that run through the natural yes. world and the chaos yes. that is its turbulent accomplice. Uh, that doesn't speak directly to that, but I remember seeing on online when I was watching a live video of patterns. Um, they said at the very beginning they were like, "Hey, this is this song's about the Fibonacci sequence." Mm-hmm. So um, tying it and to you that, find that in yeah, different areas of nature. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, from the barnacle goslings of Greenland, huh? Uh, who at two days old? Whoa, what? Hold on. From from the barnacle goslings of Greenland, who at two days old leap off a four hundred foot cliff. That all right? Google that. What the heck is that? Barnacle, about? barnacle, barnacle goslings of. Greenland. I'm gonna look that up because that is interesting. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on a second. Okay, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, to the claustrophobic underground existence of the Mephisto uh, nematode worm, the devil worm, right? Who, which obviously is hidden world, whose discovery redefined the uh, uh, the pra- yeah the parameters of life, the theater, thrill, and artistry of nature is undeniable. Yeah, that's great right there. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, and so. Tying back at barnacle goslings. Let's see here. They are goose, geese, rather. Um, it's funny. I was reading it. It was like the barnacle goose is a medium-sized goose. I was like, okay, that's pretty obvious since you said it in the very beginning of the. So sentence, but... then maybe that one is the is the bird of paradise. You might be right. Okay, why day-old geese jump off cliffs, and how some survive. What is this? What is this? This is, this is what this is. Honestly, uh, probably my most enjoyable part of this record was besides listening to it. But I loved looking at like some of the things that they were talking about because I don't even know about half these things. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's that's I would imagine that's something they would hope to achieve a little bit with this record is to kind of inspire and and you know stuff about the. The natural world, the preternatural world, and and all of that. So, uh, kudos to them. They're inspiring Dustin to go check out all. <laughs> to check this out. Check no, it is cool, out, man. It's, you know, it, you gotta check this, this kid out. out. Man, we went there. No. We went there. No, seriously though, it is it is pretty awe-inspiring. Um, I think that is kind of cool that these songs can kind of inspire some research into like whoa did you know that this was a thing did you yeah know that did you know this is, yeah of, our world you know, is so amazing plant life man. or or animal life that did this and i was like no i had no idea that was a thing um so I, I that's the whole point and concept uh behind all of this record and i just kudos to them it's amazing check this out this is uh this is also from national geographic on the subject of these geese because you know geese it says life is harsh for barnacle geese which, 
which must contend with Arctic temperatures uh, and protect their young from predators like foxes by nesting on high ledges and cliffs. Makes sense, right? But this strategy has a drawback. To start their lives, young geese must survive a harrowing fall, sometimes hundreds of feet. As soon as 24 hours after hatching, goslings need to leave the Whoa. nest. What? Just 24 hours after hatching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is nuts. Goslings need to leave the nest to feed on grass, which their parents do not and cannot feed them. This is reminding me a lot of my childhood. Um, to get the grass. Yeah. yeah, I'm kidding. To get the grass and the water where they are more protected from the predators, the birds must plummet from the high-altitude nests following their parents. Usually between three and five eggs are, are laid each year. While it looks ho- terrifying, the chicks are so lightweight that they do not usually usually die upon hitting the ground. <laughs> usually, I know. That's what I'm like. What the? Some of them just straight up die. Oh, they well, they say only a few die from being. Oh, shut up! I don't want to sign up for your stupid yeah newsletter. Get it out of the way. Whatever, man. Worse. It says only a few die from like hitting sharp rocks and stuff of that nature. That's horrifying. I know, dude. That's Dustin. freaking nuts. Why are you talking about this on our show about prog rock? Prog rock geese. <laughs> Bringing it right on. I don't want to talk about dead geese. That's what is the geese? It's the geese, you know? Hey, but I mean, that's what they're talking about. I mean, it's pretty amazing that they, 24 hours, and most of them survive. Um, yeah. <laughs> and most of and them most survive. Of them survive. Um, wow. It's pretty nice. Way to cushion the blow. I know, I'm trying to do my best. Uh, pun intended. Let's put a positive. Glass half full kind of guy. Glass That's Dustin full. Frost. That is me. I'm Most very optimistic. Of the geese. Very optimistic. Um, it features spiders anyways. who pluck harmonics on the strands of their webs to test attention. What song is that? What? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the that was one of the things I said before I was talking about the jellyfish and all this other stuff in the liner notes. It says it features spiders who pluck harmonics on the strands of their webs to test the tension. Like, what song do you think that ties to? I don't know. I don't know. Underwater Painter? I don't know if we've covered that. Parasite? Yet. Parasite. Parasite. Oh, Parasite. Yes, yes, Parasite, yes. yeah. That's cool, yeah. man. This is a this is a cool looking at this. Yeah. Cool, look at this stuff like this. Yeah, anyway. you can kind of go down a rabbit hole for each yeah, of these Yeah, you songs. could. You and could. I think, and so, I think they did, too, when they were writing. They were just probably like, hey, there's this cool creature. There's this. There's this. And, you know, they were trying to pick, pick and choose different anomalies that they had they had found it's a cool theme i like i like this it's like yeah absolutely it's a pretty cool idea yeah they're a really cool band highly highly recommend this record yes. and this whole band in general to any prog rocker it's it's different from like prog metal or classic prog pioneers but there's definitely uh, a unique innovative sound that they put forth and i've, I've been a big fan ever since I, I checked them out because they really do bring a lot of new really creative ideas to the forefront with some gorgeous vocals, absolutely gorgeous vocals, and amazing instrumentation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, give it a chance. And their, gosh, their newest record, Xenolalia, it's a little confusing how they lay out like the titles of the tracks or whatever. I think there's a larger um, concept there as it's very prog in its in its form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, oh, this is a big concept probably, and you kind of have to do the research to you know figure it out. But all that to say. They do some really cool stuff where they'll take like a, a main theme element or or melody of a certain song, and then they will put it in different versions of it, like ones that's just a horn section, one that's just the same song but an, ele- an electronica version, and then an electric version, like a typical rock one, and then one that's just a cappella, right, where it's just the voices doing stuff. Really, really cool stuff, um, and I, I don't think you would be disappointed so yeah anyways yeah thanks for landing the plane talking about on that this band because they're awesome yeah that's great maybe we'll get them on spotlight at some point hopefully uh that would be that would be awesome to have uh them come on and just talk about their music maybe talk about yeah, their new album love that. as well and so but uh yeah that's uh that sums up every all of our thoughts i think on this record so we would like yeah. to thank everybody thank you all for listening to this podcast these are our prog notes for reader natural if you enjoyed the episode, maybe you learned something new like I did, please subscribe. There are plenty of ways that you can support the show if you'd like to. Uh, you could become a special Prognotes patron, once again, at patreon.com slash prognotes. You can get access to some extra benefits outside of our episodes as well as 
uh, financially support us to keep this show up and running, as well as to support the vision of the things that we would like to do. Uh, but of course, that moves at the pace of the patrons and uh, the amount of patrons that we have. Also, please remember to uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. You can join our Discord or hit that classic subscribe button to never miss any of the episodes. Um, and uh, that's. But if you can't do any of that, just leaving us a review on the episode and just listening helps the algorithm get the podcast to more people and sharing progressive rock with others. So all of these links that I've been mentioning are in the episode's description that you can take a look at on whatever listening platform that you're uh, on. But Drew, what is the next record that we're checking out? We're moving into episode 45. What are we listening to? We're going to be listening to yet another Rush record. We've done it in increments of episode, starting from episode one of 15. And that was not by design. We just really... No, no. Now it is. But now it is by design. Yes. Because we've noticed that. Our first episode was Rush. Our episode 15 was Rush. Episode 30 was Rush. And I think one of our uh, one of our uh, listeners... One of our patrons. Out, and they reached out. Yep. One of our they patrons in the Discord. They were just like, so yeah. what's the Rush record for episode 45? And we're like, what are you talking about? They're like, done it every 15 episodes. We're like, oh. Well, now we got it. You're to. totally right. And that was a complete accident. And now, now it's going to be a thing. Uh, so uh, episode 45 is Power Windows, 1985. It's the Rush record yes. that we're covering next. And joining us Great. is... And joining us is my awesome big sister, Rachel. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to dissect it a little bit, dive into Rush in the 80s, which I don't think we yes, have we necessarily have done. done well, we've 80s. done moving pictures. Uh, yeah. Which is 81. Yeah, but, but like the 80s era sound, when they really were heavily incorporating synthesizers, even more so than they did in Yes, this is a very heavy synth album. So. It's going to be fantastic. So join us next yeah. time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prog Rock. See you guys on Discord and check out Spotlight when it releases on the 1st. Thank you, guys.